flying around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Now this is. There's just some raw sap. And it is as clear. It looks kind of like if you put just a little cloudy something in the jar. It's, it's clearer than that when it's fresh. That's been in the fridge about a week, but it's still really good. I mean, I'd process that right now. But, I mean, it is gin clear coming out of the tree. I don't know how adventurous you are, but sure. people ask me all the time, is it sweet? That 2% of what you're drinking there is sugar. The other 98% is water. Wow, you, it's barely detected in the sweetness. And that's what you're trying to do when you make this syrup, is you're, you're just isolating what percentage of sugar you want it to be. Uh, it takes about 12 gallons to make a quart. Oh my goodness. Maybe a little less if your sugar's up high enough, but if you average 2%, which is what a sugar maple averages, it, it varies, but you're about a safe 45 to 1 ratio, 45 gallons of raw sap to make one gallon of end product. Mercy. So all you're doing is one great big reduction. Yeah. Now do you add sugar to it? No. There's two ingredients in maple syrup. Raw sap and heat. And that's it. That's all that is is boiled that. There's nothing else. Gotta give Sherry her bottle for the year. Colleen, they let me tap some of their stuff, so. We eat it all. Heck, we'll make some waffle here in a minute. What, I mean. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show that I created to spotlight the people of our region who produce, prepare, and preserve our regional foods and our agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and arranged by Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, and she recorded that when she was nine years old, and we are so proud of all her successes. Today, we are setting the table with small batch maple syrup made right here in East Tennessee and our guest today is syrup maker Clint Smith of the Riverdale community in East Knotts County and our friend food historian Fred Sossman of Johnson City is going to share a segment that I like to play this time of year when these red buds are in bloom and this entails the making of red bud jelly. Plus, I've got news of a fun and free event that's happening tomorrow night at Iams Nature Center, hosted by Iams Nature Center in Slow Food Tennessee Valley, celebrating the seed-saving work of our pride and joy here in Knoxville, John Koikendall. Plus, big news of a community garden groundbreaking and open house that's happening today at 12 in Greenback, Tennessee. 
Thank you so much for joining us here today at our big Tennessee table. I really appreciate your good company. Now, I recorded this interview with Clint at the Cruz Farm White Barn, or in other words, Sherry Cruz's Playhouse. And uh, she was nice enough to let us use her kitchen and make waffles and taste this syrup inside there. And uh, also Clint and the Cruises are neighbors out there right next to the Cruz Farm Dairy. So how about if we hear from Clint right now and hear how he got into making syrup? gracious we are just sitting here at the white barn here at the crow's dairy farm and clint smith thanks for sitting here and no problem thanks for having me syrup maker how in the world did you start making this you know i first started thinking about it i had dendrology in college what does that mean it's a study of trees basically and you know i can remember in the book that we had there was just this little section about careers in the timber industry you know and it was everything from cruising timber to sawmill to you know all these different things and one of them was making maple syrup you know of course I mean from being a kid and everything I I knew that it came from trees I just never really thought about it you know yeah and so you know I didn't know I thought you just went out and drilled a hole and ain't Jemima come you know I didn't never really thought and so that kind of got it going in my mind and years you know when i say years probably six seven eight years later i was homesick one day i mean like flu sick and there was a show came on um something on public television it was it showed some people in northern kentucky making maple syrup i was like well you know if they make it there i'm gonna try it here and so <laughs> so I got the computer and I found a, I found a site that you can order like hobbyist level tapping equipment, you know. And then I was using the old buckets that hang from the trees and the taps, what they call a spile. And so I ordered a three spile bucket tap bit little kit. And I'm laying there sick. My wife comes home from work and the first thing I'm out, I'm like, order this please and she's like what's wrong with you is that the fever getting to you or what and I said no I didn't you know so she's like all right you know so she orders it and it comes in and that was in like February which is February 1st to March depending on on our weather pattern that's the time I mean that's right at time and so I get all excited you know and I get better and I get out and I tap these trees, and I probably didn't get a thimble full of sap. Oh, mercy. Man, I was heartbroken. Oh. You know, and I was, well, I've misidentified. I knew I hadn't misidentified the tree. I was just like, what, you know what? I've got the only three dry maple trees. <laughs> so, and, and since then, I learned the, the weather just wasn't right, you know, because the next year, those same trees put out gallons just in that amount of time I studied and learned you know it's all about weather and so when I made that first batch and it, it you know just watching that transformation and the smell and everything man, it, it's it's like I don't know you know it's like anytime anybody introduces you to something else neat and you do it for the first time pseudo successfully and you know right then you're like 
I'm going to be into that. That's that's you know, and I knew right then that was going to be something that I wanted to just learn more about and keep going. And it's a long-winded answer, but that's, that's kind of it. It's a good one. And you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Our guest today is Clint Smith, and he's a maple syrup maker from Sugar Maple Trees in East Knotts County. Now, this is small batch stuff, and uh, what an interesting person, and what a delicious product that he makes. After a word from our sponsor, Century Harvest Farms Foundation, we'll return to the second portion of this interview and hear about the taste of the syrup and Clint's process. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. Details at centuryharvest.org. Century Harvest Farms Foundation and Second Harvest Food Bank East Tennessee will be co-hosting Chartreuterie and Cocktails, a signature event to raise awareness and establish support for their collaborative efforts of addressing food insecurity in East Tennessee. Funds raised will be dedicated to adopting a field of fresh produce to provide for 7,200 individuals and beef from 10 grass-fed steers, which will be enough to provide ground beef to 6,000 individuals. This event will be an evening of charcuterie, cocktails, and conversation, and will take place Friday, April 25th, from 5 until 7.30 at the Central Collective at 923 North Central Street in downtown Knoxville, and that's just a little bit beyond Magpie's. Tickets and details by searching for Century Harvest Farms Foundation on Facebook. So how do you describe how your syrup tastes? It's, it's got a very caramel, almost a buttery flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe it's because of a slower process. Like I say, it's kind of buttery to me at the end. Yeah. It, it tastes... Um, yeah, it's when I'm making it, especially when I move inside, when I do my true, what I call a finished boil, which is I'm taking it down to finished product. When I've taken that 50 gallons down to a stovetop pot, it smells like walking in an old candy store in the oh, house. You know, what you know what I'm saying? Yes. Almost like you walk in old fudge shop. Yeah, it's just got that. And that, you know, I taste that smell because I've been around it so much. And I do it on a wood-fired boiler until I move inside that I built. And I, me, and it may just be in my mind, but I don't think so. I can taste some of that oak smoke a little bit in it too, you know, and I've been around it Mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours. So, you know, I would say kind of a caramel, you know, oaky. What do you think? Before I go too deep into it, and there there are probably people listening to this that got more experience at it than me, somebody that grew up up north or something. You know, I've, I've kind of self-taught and self-studied, but I have talked to a lot of people with a lot of experience in it, either in forums on the internet or, you know, I was lucky enough to spend a couple hours with a guy up in Vermont 
uh, a couple people twice, two different trips to Vermont that, you know, it's like talking to an expert in anything. Yeah. They, they, they taught me more in the amount of time you and I'll sit here and speak than it took me a couple of years, you know. Like you asked, I'm telling you my method. Uh-huh. Okay, so this is not the method, this is my method. First steps, identifying your trees, you know, I went into all that. Then there's tapping the trees. I don't use the old uh, hanging bucket style anymore. I use what they call a tube tap. Puts a smaller hole in the tree, and I can carry more of those tubes and those little taps and things with me in the woods on one run. And it just eliminates my trips back and forth to the truck, you know, and things like that. To oh, carry. Yeah. So it's, it's been more productive that way. And so I use food grade buckets or jugs. And when those are full, you know, when the weather's right. So when I keep referring to the weather, we've got to have nights well below freezing and days well above. And that's typically what we get this time of year. Yeah. Used to a lot. Now it's almost rare. That don't mean if it turned off to 30 tonight, we're just going to have a big sap run. It's it, it's got to get the internal temperature of the tree at the threat of freezing. They push all the sap down to their roots below ground as a defense mechanism so the tree doesn't freeze and bust. Oh. And then it'll come up when it heats up back during the day, back down at night. When you hear people talk about the sap flow, that's what it is. Wow. And then you're trying to tap into that vascular system if you will of the tree to get that out and so I'll tap and then I'll try to collect daily or every other day Uh, I've got a couple of refrigerators in my shop that I completely gutted that I can stack my five gallon buckets in when those refrigerators get full that's when I'll have a boil down and so I collect it all um like I say, I, I built a wood-fired boiler that I use, and it's just much more efficient than when I was using like a turkey fryer setup or something. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the surface area of my pans, the fire, it's cheaper, you know. And so I'll do one or two things at that point. I will either take all that, which typically I'm full of what I can hold at about, right there about the 40-gallon mark. So I'll just use this last time I did a run. I took that 40 down to a 3-gallon concentrate. All right. Mm-hmm. Then I will take that concentrate, even the next day sometimes, or the next day. You know, it's it's pretty sterile solution at that point. It's been boiling for nine or ten hours, and then I put it back in a sanitized bucket. You're good. Plus, it's refrigerated. I might do a couple series of those, and then blend those concentrations and do what I call a finish run. Or I will take that and I'll then go to a smaller uh, kettle over over propane and when I get that down to where <clears throat> I can fit it on a stovetop pot or even sometimes before then that's when you can mess up all those months and weeks of work you really can't mess up the front end because all you're doing is taking that whatever percentage of water you don't want in it away you're just doing a reduction you're literally sitting there watching water boil until it kind of turns brown, then gets more brown. But right there at the end, when that, when it makes that transition of being more sugar than it is water, then that's when you can scorch it and, mm-hmm. and mess the whole deal up. So that's when I move to the stovetop in the house. 
I've got my candy thermometers. I've got everything going because there's a certain temperature that you want to take it to, and it's done. So you'll you'll sit there and watch that pot boil at 212 for an entire day. And then all of a sudden, you'll hit 213, you know, and you know your sugar content is exceeded water content. Mm. And that's when you got to really be on your toes because it can all... Is that when the phone I've rings? I've had it happen. What's that? Is that when the phone rings? That's when the phone rings. That's when... <laughs> it, the diaper needs a change. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I, you know, you have a big boil over or something. So that's pretty much what I do. And then at that point, I'll uh, sterilize my quart masons or pint masons or even like these little little bottles I ordered. I'll, you know, I'll boil all them in water like you would if you were going to can something. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll put it in them at, I try to be over 180 degrees. And then they'll seal, you know, you know the lids you can hear them popping and clicking and um, then they're pretty well you know storable for a couple years I mean I've heard of people that's my method and then you know all these people that have let me tap or friends of mine or people that trade or whatever that's when I put them in these little bottles and um, had a stamp place in town make them a little stamp and it's so cute so it's uh, that that is my that's long winded but that's my method of making it. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and my feature guest today has been small batch maple syrup maker Clint Smith of the Riverdale community in East Knotts County. This is a very limited production, and he doesn't really sell it per se, but he might be open to trade. Contact information and links to get in touch with Clint as well as all of my guests and events that I mention here, always at TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says Listen to the Show. And I wanted to include that Clint is also a talented welder and furniture maker, and some of his handiwork is in use at J.C. Holdway Restaurant in downtown Knoxville. He's made those big racks that hold the firewood and... uh, some of the metal racks inside the cooking area where you'll see him cooking the food over that open fire. He makes really pretty tables, and that's a kind of mixture of his welding and barn wood. And I've put some pictures up on the website as well of his handiwork, tennesseefarmtable.com, under that link that says listen to the show. And up next is Fred Sossman of Johnson City. He recorded this about Minnie Curtis and her recipe for red bud jelly. The late Minnie Curtis could conjure flavor out of an old tree stump. She made meals out of things most people ignore, trample over, or discard. Minnie was the person folks around Clinch Mountain went to when they ran across a mountain wildflower they could not identify or if they needed a remedy for a baby's colic. Minnie didn't have a day of college, but she was a brilliant botanist. She acquired her knowledge by staying close to the land, listening to its rhythms, and observing its clues and signs. For the last 20 years of her life, and into her 90s, she made jelly from the blooms of redbud trees. In Appalachia, the redbud is one of the first signs of spring, its blossoms brightening the once-dormant landscape. 
Many describe the flavor of her red bud jelly as slightly sour and fruity. She started making it after attending the Red Bud Festival, held annually since 1982 in Honaker, Virginia. This is how Minnie Curtis made this stunningly beautiful red bud jelly. Place two cups of rinsed red bud flowers in a jar and barely cover with about two cups of boiling water. Cover and let stand for 24 hours. Strain and discard the blossoms. To two cups of the extract, add two tablespoons of lemon juice and three tablespoons of Sure Gel. Bring to a boil, then add two cups of sugar and boil hard for about one minute. Pour into hot jelly glasses and seal with paraffin. For the Tennessee Farm Table, with thanks to Minnie Curtis, I'm Fred Sausman. This is Charlotte Tolley of Nourish Knoxville at nourishknoxville.org, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table on East Tennessee's own WDVX. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website tennesseefarmtable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.